Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and... uh, Let's see. What am I? I'm the uh, <laughs> the Richelieu of uh, Spain. I don't know. I'm going to figure something out. Um, I'm so excited you're joining me right here on 570 KVI, 6 o'clock on Saturday nights, every week. If you ever miss a show, remember, we've got a website, happyhourradio.net. And uh, if you ever want to ask a question or send me some suggestions, um, I'm always open. Uh, use my email, ask at happyhourradio.net. And we're coming up on August, and August means uh, hopefully really warm weather, right? Well, what's happened to this summer? Uh, but also means the auction of Washington wines taking place over uh, Chateau Saint-Michel, uh, 18, 19, and 20th, all benefiting the Washington State University Viticulture Center and the... Um, uh, Children's Hospital. But before that, there's a great event at uh, Pike Place Market called Sunset Supper. Uh, I'll be there with Coral Wines. If you haven't tried Coral Wines, you got to get down to Esquin and McCarthy and Shearing and uh, uh, Portales. Um, all your great wine shops have it. Um, check it out. It's CoralWines.com. Rosé, white, and red. Great blends. And uh, twist off so easy access. And remember, I made it, so if you don't like it, you let me know, but I know you'll love it. Uh, and speaking of love, I do love wine from Spain because they're great values, but they have old vines and a lot of tradition. And I'm really pleased to have Julio Morel, who is the winemaker for Marques de Grignon, one of the the longest uh, living estates uh, and properties in Spain, kind of around the middle of Spain, um, uh, in a little town called Toledo. Um, But Julio Morel, hey, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to have you here in Seattle, and thanks for taking time on a Saturday night to join me. Um, Let's talk about you. You've been the winemaker for Marques de Grignon. How did you get started in wine? Um, Well, I'm a pharmacist. I study pharmacy. (laughs) (laughs) So from one drug to another. Yeah, well, I love chemistry. I I always love to go to the... um, to the um, inner part of anything, to the uh, to the core of anything. So chemistry is, is about that. So I've always been interested. Interesting. And I I come from northwest northwestern Spain. This is Galicia. And at the time I was uh, finishing my pharmacy studies, there was like a boom on the Albariño grape. Oh yeah. Or Rias Baixas. So I thought it would be a nice career opportunity to get myself into wine. And I uh, attended the uh, University of California, Davis, back in 92, and uh, did their master's program on enology and viticulture. So after that, I was hired by, by Carlos Falco, the Marquis de Guignon, who was doing um, you know, a little bit of new world viticulture and new techniques. So we were like the perfect match for each other. I hope, I hope that that's true, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been there for how long? For almost 22 years. Okay, so. so you made it past what they call the the, yeah. the seven-year itch, right? So right. very good. How did, you meet, how did you meet the, the owner of Marquez de Grignon? Um, actually, my, um, my father is a pediatrician over there, and um, in my home city is, 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 is the base for a very well-known company called Sarah, the clothing company. 
and and uh, well, um, they knew somebody that knew somebody that uh, that Carlos was in the need for a winemaker for uh -huh. a cheap winemaker. So okay, and yeah. you were making wine at this time, or no? I just did a few <laughs> internships uh, while I was studying in wow. California in Napa. Stacksleep wine cellars or oh, Stanley okay. Vineyards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was like uh, a cellar rat, not a chief winemaker. Excellent. Well, <laughs> you you look like quite a young man with all that experience. Um, been there for 22 years now. That is a lot of vintages. That's a lot of vintages. Yes. And um, today you brought uh, uh, six bottles of wine. Yeah. Um, uh, what vintage span do these range? Pardon me. What the vintages? I see a 2008. Yes, uh, we have here wines from 2007 to, uh, to 2011. Okay. Sorry, my English is a little rusty. I don't practice every day. Oh, my uh, Spanish is rusty, but it's not <laughs> quite the same. I was in Spain uh, a year ago, actually, and had a great time. All right. Um, I love Spain, and uh, yeah, it's a country that uh, embraces life. I mean, we <laughs> we really know how to how to how to get a good time. Yes, I guess. Yeah, we're right. enthusiastic for such an old country. We're enthusiastic yeah. for good. I always love the fact that you could walk down, you know, at 9 a.m. in the morning in Barcelona, nothing is happening. It's All just right. so quiet. It's not rush hour like here. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Anyway, let's go get into the wine. So mm -hmm. uh, the grapes you're using, obviously, in um, where is Toledo? Well, Toledo is the it's a historical city. It used to be the capital of the Kingdom of Spain. And... Um, and it's a very interesting historical city. It's home of, of uh, El Greco, the great painter. Um, so it's it's a very interesting uh, city to visit, and it's only half an hour from Madrid, and there's a high-speed train. I highly recommend it. But this, um, uh, you mentioned that our property has been in the family, in the Falco family, since 1292. Uh, they're uh, obviously a very uh, old family, and... Uh, but Carlos um, wanted to give it a twist, and uh, the area was not known for quality wines or whatsoever. So he decided to to plant back in 1974 Cabernet and produce Cabernet single varietal for the first time in Spain, and, and he never looked back. After Cabernet, it was Syrah, so we bottled the first Syrah from Spain. Later on, or at approximately the same time, it was Petit Verdot. This is not 1292, though. No, this is this is uh, the last 30, 35 okay. years. Yeah. <laughs> Someone had some huge foresight. I'm sure that would have yeah. changed the landscape of all of Spain at the time. Yeah, exactly. So you've got some of the most uh, international varieties, especially yeah. Bordeaux and, and a little Rhone. Yes, exactly, exactly. And finally, we have a Spanish varietal. <laughs> uh, yeah, it Way was, to represent. It was much needed, yes. And this is Graciano. Graciano. Graciano is original from Rioja, and uh, and but it shares like a common ground with Petit Verdot. Interesting, both, really. Both are yes, both are late ripeners, small fruity tannic berries. So you you do need a very long growing season to to get it full ripeness. And um, if we have a website, where can our listeners uh, check out? Because I'm sure they're like dying to learn more about uh, Marques de Grignon. <laughs> I guess it's uh, www.marquesdegrignon.com. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Uh, well, let's jump into wine. These are all red wines. Do you do any yes. whites? We, well, we were doing Chardonnay, but we realized that you cannot jump into the market with so many novelties at the same time. Yeah. So the market wasn't even really ready for our Chardonnay that we night harvested, hand night harvested back in 96. 
and we also barrel fermented. Wow, but, uh, that was the heyday. That's what no, we were looking it, it was, for. It was. It's a very interesting wine. We we kept some bottles, but we decided to regraft the plants into Petit Verdot. All right. Well, very good. So um, you have six wines today. Yeah. I see the first one's called Caliza. Caliza. Yeah. Your pronunciation is excellent. Thank you. <laughs> and Caliza means limestone in Spanish. So um, even though we, we have spoken about grapes and varietals, we uh, wanted to stand out from the beginning that we are a terroir-driven um, producer. And our terroir is basically Caliza. Caliza and some clay on top, which is the best Burgundian soil. Ah, right. I, I, Kimmeridgean clay, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. I don't think that Carlos de Marquez de Guignon was aware of that, but, you know, chances are that you get lucky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't a dig in a well, but yeah, it's exactly, realized it's exactly. a white stone down there. Exactly. Um, this is a very uh, uh, hearty wine. This has got great structure, um, and it's it's very ripe, but it's not overripe. It's like got that perfect hint of ripeness, like the great black cherry and black plum. Um, this is this is um, something that is not easy to to achieve. So I I appreciate that you realized that it's yes it's this sense of ripeness without being tiring in your mouth, and I think that we have a great natural acidity. We work very hard on our viticulture to get this natural acidity without acidifier whatsoever. It's good. Yeah, because we feel that it never really gets integrated into the wine. It doesn't, and and, and everyone acidifies for today, and by the time you you do that for an expensive wine, five years later, it's totally out of balance and really disappointing. Absolutely. Um, This is delicious, and speaking of uh, uh, what's not disappointing is the price point. This is uh, called uh, Caliza, and it's C-A-L-I-Z-A, maybe like California Liza, if you could. It's uh, 13, wait, um, it's under 20 bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah, very cool. You see? Um, and available at uh, stores all around because uh, you've got um, price points are important. You get lots of distribution that way. Of course. Um, next wine has got uh, a very tall bottle with a um, a logo. It's got a plus sign within parentheses. Tell me about this. <laughs> Being a, a small family-owned company, it's a lot of fun most of the time. So <laughs> we, we got uh, under endless discussions with this new label. And uh, first we tried the plus symbol without the parenthesis, but uh, most people were confused and they thought it was like a religious symbol. A cross, yeah. Like a cross. So that's why we emphasized the the parenthesis to make it a mathematical symbol. Uh And plus, addition, it's always positive. Mm. Much better than subtraction or or or, or dividing, yeah, or division. <laughs> cool. So this is when Sandra, Carlos' daughter, joined the company, and so it's it was like a moment of celebration of of adding a new generation, and it was our first um, blended wine. So it's a plus in in all senses. Right? Okay. And then the name, um, it says S-V-M-M-A. Now, yeah. my, I know my buddy likes MMA. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with mixed martial arts, though. <laughs> no. What's in here? This is uh, Summa, the way Latin Latins wrote it. So it's Summa. Ah, uh, Summa Cum Laude? Exactly. Excellent. Summa. All yeah. right. Sounds pretty smart. Making me smarter? <laughs> More handsome, anyway. You, you look very handsome, very smart already, so... I love it. Speaking with uh, Julia Morel, who's the winemaker for Marquez de Grignon. Been there for 22 years, and then the wine estate's been there for over, uh, well, 700 plus, and that's a long time. Um, old vines, but you've replanted uh, in the last 30 years to create some, uh, well, that's still old. Yeah, well, we, uh, you know, old vines are beautiful, but uh, <laughs> because you don't have to work really hard. 
but you can you can get uh, amazing results with new vines too but you have to work harder all right well that's, that's my point of view that's it <laughs> okay i get it and um hard work is paying off this is a delicious wine it's called suma 2008 vintage is this the current release i take it yeah all right and that's going to be uh and then that 30 dollar range um ha- has a little more uh polish a little more elegance to it a little more depth and um the first one was deliciously but when you compare it i, I think we're going in an upward motion here <laughs> where the wine's going to be even better uh third wine is Third wine is, um, I think it's uh, our Cabernet. Yeah. yeah, 2011 Cabernet 2011 Sauvignon, Cabernet. and this is the sh- that's the coat of arms for the uh, the, the. This Marquez. is where where everything started. Yes, yes. All right. We, so. we got. I mean, we've always been um, uh, very much driven towards um, export uh, because you know, 40 years ago to sell a 100% Cabernet in Spain that it's not Ribera or whatever, it was almost impossible. I'm sure, and because people just don't understand, you know, why you would pull well, that out of Spain. It stands of course. alone. Also, you have to think that 40 years ago, nobody was talking about grapes. You only talk about the origin of yeah, the, of the, the wine. regions. Yeah. It's the regions. So. Um, this is really delicious wine. This has that New World polish and uh, juiciness, ripeness. Um, it has probably what 50% New Oak, 40%. Yeah, I, I think even less. Yeah, F- 30 I mean, maybe. Yeah, it's not a lot. Um, very well integrated. Great structure, but the acidity here is medium plus, which yeah. takes me to the old world. Exactly. I, I, I really dig it. It's a dark, inky, um, black-red wine. It, it's highly opaque. Are you using really modern wine techniques for some of these to, to reduce? Uh, no, no, really. All, all of the modern techniques that we are um, using are used in the, uh, in the field, out in the field. Mm. From there, everything has to be done by tasting. We don't rush anything. What we do really is we uh, pay a lot of attention to selection. We separate every little nuance that we find out out there in the vineyard and uh, ferment and age separately all these different batches. So we have like a lot of colors to play with and to make uh, the final painting. Oh, wow. You are an artiste. I love it. Speaking with... Uh, I'm an artist. <laughs> Julio Morel, the winemaker for Marquez de Grignon. Um, we come back from this break. We're going to dive into three more fantastic wines from a place called Toledo. It's in the heart of Spain. And I hope you stick around right here on Happy Hour Radio. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Sommelier, Christopher Chan. All right, happy July, Saturday night. This is uh, what we've been waiting for. Uh, Welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I've got... Julio Morel, who is the winemaker for Marquez del Grignon, is a property in Spain, been around since 1292. That's a long time, um, but this gentleman is quite young. And his wines, uh, he's got some old vines and some uh, older vintages, which is really cool. We tried the Caliza, the uh, Suma, uh, 2008, and then the Cabernet Sauvignon, which is 2011. Um, what's next? Uh, I see you got three more bottles. What else are you pouring for me, Julio? Yes, um the next one is uh, Graciano. It's our first uh, release of Graciano. As you mentioned, we were working with uh, different varietals. Um, 
some of them you know it's uh, they're very much related we we, we uh, boundaries are a new thing and uh, in Europe wine production has been for centuries so sometimes grape varieties that we claim that they w that belong to one country or the other <laughs> they've always been moving around but just like people Exactly. But having said so, um, I'm, I'm really very pleased and honored to introduce to you our first release of Graciano, which is a grape original from Rioja. We were determined to have a Spanish grape, a fully Spanish grape, let's call it like that. And um, and we decided to, to go for Graciano because we have been very successful with uh, Petit Verdot. And both are uh, late ripeners that uh, only really yield extraordinary wines on, on out of maybe one out of five, six years, both in Medoc or in Rioja, because they need a really long cycle to get this ripeness uh, going, going to the end. But we thought, as we have a continental climate in the central Spain, we have some altitude where 500 meters above sea level. Sorry, I I lost no, that's my good. You I know, lost my calculation. It's like fifteen hundred feet. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you're you're helping like me out here. Like top of magnolia, I think <laughs> it would be. Um, this is really a dark and inky wine. Yeah, you're right. Petit Verdot is the closest variety that I can think of. All right, we're making a lot of that in Washington State, and it's it's really pretty fun. Um, I always ask why Petit Verdot because no one else makes 100. Yeah. percent But obviously, if you look at Graciano, um, this has that that tannin structure. It also has some high acidity. Yes. Yes, um, it's it's very surprising because it's it's definitely very different from the Graciano that you can get in Rioja. Right, much darker it, color. Much darker, but it takes all these um, limestone uh, nuances that we have in our in our soil. I think it's it's very interesting to that regard. And the uh, and the fruit is is not obvious. It's more floral than fruity, maybe. Yeah, this is very much more aromatic than, uh, yeah. of course, the Cabernet, meaning it's aromatic, but it has more floral notes, so higher tone. Yes, exactly. Uh, quite interesting. You know, I'm noticing all the wines you have are, are very opaque, very extracted. Is your maceration process a cold ferment? And are you doing remontage or pigeage to sort of extract more color and tannin? Actually, your question is, it's... Um, it's a very good one, but, but but we don't. As a matter of fact, we're beginning to do less and less and less. <laughs> Believe it or not, we have an extraordinary natural color, and the concentration of these grapes in our soil and with our climate yield this this uh, very dark wine. So we are trying even to um, to avoid remontage or or pissage or or delestage as much as we can. We're only moving the wines towards the end of the to finish to get the fermentation finished. But we wanted to be more and more elegant with the new vintages. Um, it's really a, a delicious wine that people won't necessarily get. I mean, this is your first release, so yes. I, I hope wish you the best of luck, and I hope that you find um, a passionate following for this style of, of wine. Um, it's it's certainly one of those you, you'd have to reach for and take a chance, but I'm telling you, folks, uh, the Marquise de Grignon Graciano 2010 you know, it's uh, it has a little bit of a price point. It's probably in that under fifty dollar range, but um, it's quite an expressive wine, which I think could live another f another five years at least. Yes. Yeah. Um, something about I always say buy three wines, drink one when you get home, so you know what you got. 
then drink it when you think it's ready, and then drink it when you know it's ready. So um, buy at least three, not 12. Uh, <laughs> very cool. Okay, you've got, uh, I love the label, and uh, the, the coat of arms is great. I, I see some stripes, and I see, what else is on that yeah. coat of arms? That's the uh, the Falco family uh, um, coat of arms, uh, and it comes... Uh, Falco, huh? Yeah. Did they do the song Amadeus? No, that I'm aware of. Oh. <laughs> So there's a band called Falco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it. All right. Very yeah. cool. Okay, what's next? What is next is uh, what a, it's our ah. uh, top coupe. We call it Emeritus, like deserving, like an Emeritus professor. Mm-hmm. We began It typically to, means old, though. Yeah. <laughs> also. <laughs> okay. But, not, but, I mean, there's um, people, I mean, people get old, but some of them are smart and some they don't. Yeah. Like, like wine. Um, and Meredith is, is certainly a, a very regal um, uh, title, and uh, to do that means you've, you've done a lot in life. Tell me about the basis of this wine. Is this a, uh, a new release? Is it recent? No. We, ha- we, uh, we began to produce it in 97 when the Cabernet Vineyard turned out 25. That was the main reason. And we wanted to have, you know, like a very um, explosive, concentrated, powerful wine yet elegant that's that's uh, a little bit of the holy grail this reminds me of bordeaux for some exactly reason. yeah yeah but here we we have um in the blend up to 30 percent of petit bordeaux which oh. never happens in bordeaux no it doesn't no, they don't grow that many merlot is the most uh, populated uh, yeah. popular grape yeah. in merlot um, bordeaux <laughs> yeah so the blend will be 60 percent cab and 30 percent uh, petit verdot maybe a touch of syrah for the nose oh okay uh so it, it, are these wines under a spe- specific uh uh regime uh, yes we 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 were granted our own appellation back in year 2000 all right it's trivia folks yeah that's your own appellation <laughs> what exactly. estates are their own appellations in spain nowadays they're like 12 or 15. Yeah, they call those pagos, I think, Exactly. Right? You're, you're very knowledgeable. <laughs> but we were the first ones uh, back in 2000, yeah. And what's it called? Pa- pa- is it a pago? Or is yes, it's, well, it's called Dio. Dio. Uh, Dominio de Valdepusa. Oh, Valdepusa. Valdepusa. Yes. It's the valley okay. of the river Pusa. That's right. Valdepusa. And uh, there's, some, there's a little psalm mem we use to mnemonic All device. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we won't put talk about it. <laughs> That I'm not aware. Yeah, I'm not aware. That's okay. You can uh, you can get in line. Um, this is a, a very very cool wine. What's the vintage here? It's 2008. Now, when I think of Spain, um, what are the challenges? You worried about frost and, and hailstorms like Burgundy, or what are the challenges? Well, Spain has a variety of climates, of course. But for but, you in the but central, for us in the central, um, mm, mm, it's more um, hail than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the uh, and the harvest season is it's it's very nice. And w- and water, any challenges with water? Can you? You can't irrigate, right? We we can. Oh. As a matter of fact, we do. One of the few in the old world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But well, we develop a lot of... When uh, you're on your own DO, I guess you can do what you want, huh? Well, but first we have to prove that we have, uh, you know, world-class wines to get our own DO. Sure. Otherwise, you don't get it. That's what that does <laughs> by watering. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, lovely wine. Um, this is your uh, Tete de Cuvée, the Emeritus 2008, current vintage. Do you sit on the wines for... Like the Reserva, three years and four years and things like yeah, that? Yeah, we don't have like, um, it depends a little bit on the market, but these top wines, they they remain with us bottled for a year or two before oh, okay. we release them, yeah. Excellent. And production for something like this, is this 10,000 cases? 
uh, oh no, much less. This is uh, probably um, twelve thousand bottles uh, oh. at the most. So, All right. so, a thousand so one cases. thousand cases. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go, and now you've got something. And uh, uh, this is really a, a fantastic wine. Now, I'm excited to taste a hundred percent Petite Verdot from 2007. This is also part of uh, what do you call this label? This is the silkscreen label with the gold. Uh, we call this the, the varietal collection. Okay. So Very yeah, good. It's where we started, and we call it like that. All right. So when did you start making 100% Petit Verdot? 94. Okay. So 94. this is your third leaf, the third vintage. And how no, old? No, 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 no. 94. Four, five, six, seven. Oh, fourth. No, no, no. 19, oh, you're right. 94. I'm sorry. <laughs> Boy, I'm, you're right. That's a long time. That's a God, long time. God, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know these facts for sure because... Arguably, we were the first ones who ever bottled as much as, you know, 10, 15,000 bottles of Petit Verdot, mm, 100% worldwide. So Interesting. Do you actually taste the Graziano next to the Petit Verdot ever, just to sort of, um, just to have um, a little, little contrast? That could be possible, yes. Um, but I think that, um, well... I mean, Petit Verdot, it's, it's a class on its own. Yeah. That's why I want to leave it for last. It feels like the pH is a little higher on this wine. Is that... Really? I mean, it, it just my... Just yeah, your, yeah, your perception. Yeah. Um, this Petit Verdot is from 2007, which was arguably like my dreamt... Um, Dream vintage? Yes. Mm. Everything came... Jesus, like in slow motion. It was, it was great. It was so easy to work with it. <laughs> oh, wow. What a treat. Bring it yeah. back, right? Do those happen every seven years or is it? Every 10, because every 97 10 was the same. So uh, I'm, I'm expecting you for a great 2007. Uh, perfect. Well, this has been a fantastic treat. And I know we can find your wines at uh, Esquin and McCarthy and Shearing, um, all the great wine shops. And uh, um, what a pleasure. Welcome to Seattle. Julio Morel, winemaker for Marques de uh, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you very much for hosting me. What a treat. A pleasure. I love it. And uh, you can check out um, marquezdegrignon.com, and they've got some fantastic wines. Obviously, you won't find any Chardonnay. These are all big, beefy reds. Uh, great for the fall and the winter, and um, something to share with friends. A lot of history here, folks, so uh, check it out. And uh, stick around, folks. We'll be right back. we got uh, another segment. I'm going to invite uh, my old friend Cameron George, who is a bartender extraordinaire at Barrio. And we're going to chat about Tequila Day coming up right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local, weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, Seattle, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Um, time for a little tequila. Had that great Spanish wine, and while we're in the whole Spanish-Latin thing, um, why don't we do some tequila? So my pal Cameron George, uh, lead bartender, bar manager at Barrio, which is the mezcal capital of the United States, and also uh, great food and what you call it, a sexy atmosphere. Yep, very hey, much Cameron, so. Hey, <laughs> Cameron, welcome back. All right, so hey, um, National Tequila Day is actually taking place like uh, this week, and uh, how exciting that the tequila, uh, what do you call them, tequila istas or tequileras? Tequileros. Tequileros. I like tequileros. that. The tequileros um, reached out and said, hey, um, 
we got to talk about tequila, which I'm a big fan. And I'm not talking about Cuervo, everybody, because I know that and I'm not, not talking about Moctezuma either. We're not talking about plastic half gallons. We're talking about real artisanal stuff that actually tastes good and was made to be tequila. If it says tequila, it should say 100% agave. That's where you got to start. So, hey, Cameron, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, National Tequila Day, you brought a couple tequilas. Um you selected these on your own, or were you encouraged by our Tequila Day Festival people? <laughs> uh, actually encouraged uh, by our Tequila Day uh, folks. This is a brand called Coralejo, one that I very much so have come to love over the last two years. Oh, excellent. <clears throat> so the, um, Coralejo, which, uh, what does that mean? It's like corral? Uh, Coralejo, actually, it, it does mean corral. So the region that they come from, uh, which is called uh, Gua uh, Guanajuato, is uh, located like in the very heart of Mexico, right above about like an hour and a half, two hours above uh, Mexico City All right. in the lowlands. Yeah, and so when you make tequila, I think there's five states that are uh, licensed to uh, produce tequila, mm -hmm. and uh, the most popular is, of course, Jalisco. And this comes from when you say it again? Uh, Guanajuato. Yeah, Guanajuato. Uh, very cool. And some things you will never be able to <laughs> I know. Um, you have a couple cocktails in mind to celebrate uh, National Tequila Day, or is it International? National Tequila Day. I don't know. I believe it's National Tequila National, Day. Yeah, funny. When mm -hmm. is that in Mexico, I wonder? Uh, I have no idea, yeah, exactly. but I would love to go to that celebration. Oh, really? I wonder if it's uh, like right Fat Tuesday. Uh, uh, something like right that. Right about then. Uh, cool. So what uh, cocktails do you have in mind? Um, so I actually selected two classics that we're just going to actually tinker with just a little bit. Uh, one of the classics is called a Sazerac. It's actually my second favorite cocktail. Sazerac, known from New Orleans, being uh, whiskey, a little bit of uh, absinthe, wash the glass with absinthe, um, then it's pecho bitters, and uh, oh, what's the other ingredient? Just a little bit of Sugar. sweetness. Sugar, that's yep, right. Uh, just when you said that. Perfect. <laughs> one of my favorite drinks. So this is a take on the Sazerac? Absolutely. Yeah, right. very much so. What are we calling it? The, the Tazerac. Like <laughs> you drink these, you'll be tasered. Tasered, yep. I actually was just going with uh, with tequila Sazerac, uh, but Tazerac works fine as I well. I like Tazerac. You know, you drink too many, you'll be, you know, handcuffed and tased on the ground like Something everybody like that. else, right? <laughs> That's how it works. All right. Um, well, well, why don't you shake it up? Tell me the ingredients. All right. Let's get to it. So first, we're going to start with two ounces of our Coralejo Reposado. Uh -huh. I chose the Reposado for this cocktail because I really wanted to uh, pull out some of those French oak influences. Interesting. Uh, so are they using actually, new French oak down there, you think? Uh, they're actually using three different types of oak, okay. American, Mexican, and French. Mexican oak. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I hear that's from China. <laughs> uh, yeah, so when I taste this tequila by itself, uh, a couple of the... Um, uh, flavors that I get from it are honeysuckle and then also orange blossom. It's very uh, soft and very decadent. Wow! And it's uh, I love the, I love the blue glass that comes out of Mexico. That's always uh, intrigued me. Um, a nice tall slender bottle. It's eighty proof. Uh, it's a whole fifth of of uh, spirit here, and um, it's got uh, an embossed label. This is really cool. So one hundred percent agave, which is great because that's what I like drinking. Absolutely. And they got a little medal of a bald dude here, so I don't think that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Must have won some awards. So what else you got in here? Uh, so then we've got a little bit of honey uh, because, like I said, honeysuckle, honey, and, uh, are two of the main aromas that I get from this tequila. So I really wanted to pull those forward into the cocktail. Excellent. So a half ounce of honey. Then we've got our Peychaud's bitters, about five dashes. 
And Peixo is uh, different than, uh, of course, Angostura. And uh, Angostura is uh, a much more bitter, actually bitter, than versus Peixo, which is a little more, I don't know what it's called, fruity, but... I would say more like herb saint. There's a little bit more anise to the Peixodes. Yeah. And Angostura, actually, while it does not contain any uh, actual Angostura bark in the recipe, has this really beautiful, like, rich sweetness at first, and then a dry, oaky bite to the back end of it. So that's yeah. what I believe you're kind of talking about when you say that nice bitter finish on yeah, the it's uh, on totally the different and uh, it's obviously been around forever and mm-hmm. there's a funny story about that keep making your drink what else you got here so you got bitters honey and two ounces uh yep two ounces of the uh of the reposado five dashes of peixote bitters half ounce of honey and then two dashes of chocolate bitters as well Ooh. yeah chocolate being an integral part of uh the cuisine of mexico and exactly. down in oaxaca i believe mm-hmm. in the southern area of course uh the aztecs uh, helped invent chocolate the chocolata and uh coming up is the northwest chocolate festival it's in november 12th and 13th over at pier 91 my pal brian cisneros does that and uh they've got chocolate from all over the world it's actually one of the largest chocolate festivals in the world you got to check it out mm. so i'm excited to taste this and you're using scrappy's bitters and scrappy's is local northwest yep. isn't it yes it is miles uh the actual uh genius behind scrappy's bitters it's really really great friend great guy local local products support these guys because their bitters are some of the best in the world yeah um mm-hmm. i will have to get them on the show because i uh, i certainly uh pervade those bitters at my establishment when I was uh, on the floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, But right now, I'm behind the mic, so you're going to stir this. Stir in the cocktail after we've added just a pinch of a jalapeno-infused salt. Again, we're uh, You threw salt in the drink. Threw a little bit of salt in the cocktail. Uh, What that's going to do is that's going to make those uh, those bitter elements start to pop a little bit more. And it's also going to bring out a little bit of the uh, citrus and that orange blossom that I was talking about originally in the All right. House. So, uh, working here with Cameron George, who is the bar manager of Barrio, the Mezcal and Tequila Center of the Northwest and, of course, the United States. Now, I see you have a bar bag. Is that a special bar bag you have there? Yes, absolutely. Oh, look at. So, this is a uh, Maven Ma- Hall. This is a Maven Hall. Yeah. Uh, Maven Hall special. I had These Craig are... Allen on the show, and uh, I said, that looks very familiar. Good for you. Yeah, I love it. So, you're these serious. Bags. This Good. is the only bag that I that I travel with protect all of my tools all right mm-hmm. excellent so what are you spraying in the glass a little bit of absinthe in the glass there Ooh. just uh, really more for aromatic purposes and look at you with the copper uh, <laughs> plated uh, uh, strainer absolutely and the jiggers copper everything uh-huh I'm going to do a orange twist for the garnish, just a little bit more subtle sweetness as opposed to a lemon twist, which will give us a really bright acidity. Right. Oh, Oh, look at that. And there's our first cocktail. (laughs) Tequila Sazerac. Tequila Sazerac. A Tazerac, I'm calling it. Um, A very pretty uh, Peixo pink, we'll say. Um, mm, Now, I get the the aroma of uh, absinthe comes quick. Um, What's the next cocktail? I'm going to taste this. Next cocktail is a daisy. So the daisy is actually a uh, family of drinks that originally started with either a brandy daisy or a gin daisy. Um, I actually prefer a tequila daisy, and that's the cocktail that the modern-day margarita is actually a spinoff of. Well, that's why you're here, because we're talking about tequila, and Mm -hmm. um, this Tazerac is really beautifully soft and um, expressive you get the 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 fruitness of the um the bitters yeah but you get the depth of the tequila a little sweetness from that reposado you called honey yep. um I, I taste that uh this is a lovely cocktail thank you nice job thank you 
Um, we just got a couple more minutes, so we're going to have yep. to make this one really quick. I'm excited about Blanco tequila because I always find uh, Blanco is um, I'm a little less concerned about, um, you know, I mean, I like tequila. <laughs> so when I use Blanco, I was like, yeah, keep pouring, keep pouring. And Blanco tequila actually goes well with pretty much everything. Reposado obviously gives you a little more oak note, a little vanilla, and some spice flavors, of course. Um, this one you're using a little grenadine. And the, the name of this cocktail, again, is called the Sunrise? A Daisy. A Daisy, a yes. Daisy. A Daisy Sunrise. I want to think of tequila Sunrise. <laughs> um, Barrio's got a happy hour, 3 to 6 p.m. Uh, and the Tazerac, the tequila Sazerac, uh, is on your is staple on your menu? Actually, no. This is a call cocktail, right. one that I uh, make for a lot of people who are just like, you know, make me something. I'm going to make you much more handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take a shot. Go ahead and give this Daisy a quick shake here. Okay, look at that. I love it. This guy's a pro. Good to have the president-elect of the Washington State Bartenders Guild. And uh, this is what we got coming on. And uh, Cameron George is making a daisy. This is a tequila drink with uh, a white tequila, 100% agave, a little grenadine. Um, what else you got in here? A little bit of lemon juice and just a Scotia simple syrup. Oh, Scotia simple syrup. Very good. And the garnish is a nice little lemon star. Little Very star. pretty. Look little at that. Flower. Little flower. Absolutely. There you are. Oh, now this is much more of a, a pink panty drop. <laughs> uh. Oh, that's lovely. Delicious. Cameron Georgeman, you're the man. Thank you very Happy much. Happy Tequila for Day. Me. We'll see you at Barrio. Thank you, thank you. I look forward to it. Hey, folks, these are great. You got to check out my man, Cameron George of Barrio. And stick around. We'll be right back. And we have Bill Kimberly from Bellingham and uh, talking about a big festival right here on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round four. I have a special guest. He came all the way down from Bellingham, uh, almost Canada, eh? Uh, my friend is Bill Kimmerly. He's the owner of Masquerade Wines up there in Bellingham. And, uh, hey, Bill, welcome to Happy Hour. Why, thanks, Christopher. Great to be here. Yeah, so um, you are uh, serving on the board for a special organization up there, or what are you doing? Yeah, so um, we have a local wine and spirits trail, um, Whatcom County Winery and Distillery Association. And I have served as the president of the group since 2011. And uh, in that time, we've actually grown quite a bit. So now we have nine wineries and three distilleries that are part of our group. Um, we circulate the a, dirty dozen. Absolutely. Um, it's funny. Bellingham is probably most known for all its breweries, but right? yeah. surprisingly, yeah, surprisingly, there are more wineries in Whatcom County than there are breweries. <laughs> um, we and we find this time of year that we we get a lot of folks coming up from Seattle. Um, residents or people with out-of-town guests who are looking for something to do. And, of course, when Seattle folks think of wine, they probably first and foremost gravitate towards Woodenville. And I'd just like to inform people that there are other wine-related day trips that you can do. Um, so we welcome you all up to Bellingham. Well, let's name some of the wineries and distilleries that you have up there. Yeah, well, the winery that probably most people know of, the, the old dog in the neighborhood, so to speak, is uh, Mount Baker Vineyards. And they actually own one of the few 
estate vineyards in, in western Washington. Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris, and some interesting uh, Swiss and German varietals as I well. I opened up a bottle of 2002 Pinot Noir about a couple weeks ago with my some, some guys, and uh, it was really well received. Very cool. We don't think about it, but blew them away. Very good. Yeah. Who else is up there? So um, going from uh, north to south, up in Blaine, you'll find uh, Glacial, Glacial Lake, Lake Missoula. Missoula. That's GLM, Tom Davis. Tom Davis. Yeah. And Tracy DeGraff. Yeah. Um, uh, Tom is an American. Uh, Tracy's Canadian. They both live in Vancouver, but they run their uh, winery just inside the border at uh, um, the Pacific Truck Crossing. Um, heading further south, um, the first uh, distillery of the group of three is Bellwood Acres. Um, they are an apple orchard and country farm and distillery, so they make a lot of apple-based spirits. Um, also out in the county, a couple other wineries. We have Samson Estates, Samson, uh, yeah. most known for fruit wines, but they do make um, vinifera wines as well. And then uh, Vartanian Estate Winery. Oh, that's where that is. Yeah. Okay. And then, so now we're moving more towards uh, the urban center of Bellingham. That's where you'll find my winery, which is Masquerade. Um, you'll also find Dynasty Cellars. That's uh. run by uh, Peter and Olga. Yeah, I like that label. Um, it's kind of fun. Yeah. And uh, they make fantastic wines, um, and uh, they uh, have great stories of their um, immigration journey from uh, Slovakia. Um, also, in the city of Bellingham, you'll find Coach House Cellars. They have a tasting room in the Fairhaven area. That's Coach area. House? Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, I just poured with them at the Wilderford yes, Zoo Yes, they were in the, the same day. pavilion as you yeah. um, at, at the zoo. And it was nice to see them out representing Whatcom County. Right on. And then um, along the north shore of Lake Whatcom, you'll find Inyo Cellars. Now, that's an interesting name. Yeah. Inyo um, is an Indian word meaning wolf. Wolf. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so the the new trail is something that uh, is this this is put on by, I mean, the idea is to obviously to get some people up there to recognize the great products that you're producing. And how do you start? How do you find more information about this trail? Well, um, we have a, uh, a website, whatcomwineries.com. We also have a Facebook page, and you can find information there. Uh, the brochures are, are most uh, heavily distributed in Whatcom and Skagit counties, obviously, but all of the wineries and distilleries who are uh, a member will have them as well as our tourism boards. And so if you uh, spent the day, I mean, how many can you realistically find? You, this is a weekend thing, it sounds like to me. I don't want to rush it. I want to yeah, take my time. Yeah, I would recommend two days, one day to do, um, you know, the the urban, urban oh, ones urban? And, okay. and the one one day to do the, the county wineries. All right. So, um, and if you put all those together, how many samples are, are you tasting? I mean, how many products do you think there are? Well, um, I think most places are going to have three to six uh, varietals available. All right. Um, you know, we tend to throw in an extra one on Saturday and Sunday just because <laughs> it's the weekend. Uh, but that's that's pretty typical. Excellent. So, Bill Kimberly, you are the president of the Whatcom County Wine and Sp Distillery Association? I am, yes. Oh, congratulations. Thank and you. did you start this yourself? I did not. It was started by a gentleman named Ken Peck, who uh, ran Dakota Creek Winery, and they were a member of our association, and Ken and his wife, Jill, recently retired. 
All so right. Dakota Creek is no more. We used to have 10 wineries. We now have nine um, and three distilleries. All but right. They, they left us in good hands. And give us a website again. It is whatcomwineries.com, and you can find us on Facebook for Whatcom Winery and Distillery Association. Awesome. Hey, folks, take a, cha- take a trip up to Bellingham and enjoy yourself uh, immensely. Hey, Bill Kimley, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. Folks, hope you enjoyed the show with Marques de Grignon and, of course, my pal Cameron George with uh, Barrio, and uh, check out the Whatcom County Wine and Distillery Trail. Look forward to seeing you next week, and remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! Cheers!